brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And here we go. Welcome to Death Do Us Part podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. Welcome all. Hey guys. So we did actually want to record this a couple days ago because we're trying to keep them coming out as quick as we can. Um, We've had a shitty couple days though. Very shitty. So um, our air conditioner broke and then the same day we had to put our baby girl down. Yep. So. Sadie, she was such a good dog. It's been a sad couple days in the cash household. Yeah. So. We are pretty excited, though, to record. It kind of takes our mind off of it. Yeah, that's why I was excited for yeah. this. Just think about something else for a little while. So it is late. We're recording late, and we're both slightly pissy. So we yeah. might argue during this. <laughs> we might. Big shocker from normal. <laughs> um, so when I picked this case, I picked it because I thought it was going to be like a short one. I thought it was going to be like a mini um, and then I started researching it, and I'm like, shit, this might be a two-parter. I, I think it will be. I, I, th- there's just too much. It, um, it kind of depends on how much we chit-chat. Or we'll just, I mean, if we make it a long one, we make it a long one. Maybe we just have one long one. Yeah. Because it's going to be hard to split. And I even if it's long, I, I don't think it'll be boring. I mean, uh-uh. this this case, when you told me who it was... I remembered the name from a documentary, and at the time, I think it was on Netflix. I think but now it was. I, I had to look it up, and it, it was like a PBS special, mm-hmm. like an hour long, but um, very interesting. And I mean, I'm I'm not going to beat around the bush. I mean, there's domestic violence, and I'll explain how real it is in the police world, and mm-hmm. how frequent it is, and. Yeah. Cops, cops get off all the time. So this is going to be a trigger warning for anybody. Um, obviously, like you said, it does involve domestic violence. It's not too detailed into the domestic violence, but it does involve police officers and their investigations. So if it's not something you want to listen to because you don't think you can have a good opinion on it, then just skip this one. And I, I might have a, a lot to say during this, yeah. and I'm no way an expert. You know, I I mean, of course, I was on a lot of murders right. and, and stuff, and, but I'm no means But there's a lot of stuff in this expert. case that we've both seen and we've discussed, and yeah. so... I mean, it's it, it was very obvious. Yeah. I mean, when I saw the documentary, just... First of all, the sheriff is a goof. The this deputy is a goof. He's he's right sixty percent of the time. Maybe. So, sixty percent is failing. Yeah, that, he, he actually said that on a recorded interview. No, it, it was at like their 
some kind of conference. Yeah, that he was being recorded. Yeah, he's huh. right 60% of the time. Okay, so that's that's a failing grade. So you suck. So my leader is mm-hmm. wrong almost all the time. Right. A, a failing grade. Right. He's an idiot. Why, why would you even say that? Because he's an idiot. He is, like most elected officials. So, yeah. All right. So this is the shooting of Michelle O'Connell. So. And you can't even say suicide or murder. Because it's. Well. Spoiler I, I, alert. It's not decided, essentially. No, I think well, they. You'll make up your own mind at the end. But I think they classified it as they didn't. Uh-uh. So, all right. At 11.20 p.m. on September 2nd, 2010, St. John's County Dispatch received a frantic 911 call from Jeremy Banks, who was screaming for an ambulance to respond to his house at 4700 Sherlock Place in St. Augustine, Florida. He was screaming for help, saying, I think my girlfriend shot herself. And when I say screaming, I mean he was essentially (laughs) screeching. Yeah, he was. Um, the dispatcher was having a hard time understanding Jeremy as anybody who listens to the call would have a hard time understanding him. She is repeatedly calling him ma'am. Um, he finally (laughs) catches on that she's calling him ma'am and he gets pissed and he immediately flips the switch, shuts off the screeching and forcefully tells the dispatcher it's sir. It's sir. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Right. Followed by let me tell you the truth. He then explained that he was a deputy with the St. John's County Sheriff's Department, county that he lives in, the county that he was calling, and then stated... And he's a cop, and he thinks his girlfriend shot herself. Right. and then You're a cop. You know if she fucking mm -hmm. shot herself. Well, then he follows it up with, my girlfriend shot herself. Yeah. Get everyone here. Get on TAC 2. Get everyone here. And then... Flips the switch again and starts screeching into the phone again. Yep. So the call, it's very, it's odd. It, there's no other way to put it. It's odd. Yeah. So it, he doesn't ever mention her name. Everything is about him. And he gets pissed that, you know, she's calling him ma'am. Who gives a shit? Right. Like, Just get here. Right. You know, and like I said before, and I'll say it a bunch of times, you never know how somebody's going to react in a crisis, but get it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're being called ma'am. So <clears throat> that same night, deputy... God, both of our voices. I, it's awful. I don't know. And your vape voice. Shut up. I um, need another vape. Give me a puff. Are you done? Because I'm about to puff, so... Um, <laughs> Deputy Deborah Maynard was at a gas station drinking coffee with two other deputies when they were dispatched to a, quote, Signal 18 shot fired, possibly one of our own. At 11.25 p.m., the three deputies arrive at the house. There was another deputy already on the scene who could be heard yelling, oh, my God. They walked back to the bedroom, found Jeremy Banks crouching in the door of the bathroom, holding his phone. And on the floor of the bedroom... Which is weird. Why aren't you fucking holding her? That I have so much to... doing CPR? I have so much to say about that. So um, so he was found crouching in the door of the bathroom. Uh, Michelle O'Connell, his girlfriend, was found on the floor of the bedroom with a gunshot wound to her mouth. Um, 
Jeremy was screaming on the 911 call, there's blood everywhere, when in reality, there wasn't. No. There wasn't much blood at all. And actually. you can Google the crime scene photos. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot mm -hmm. up there. And the photos are not even that good. Whoever the, took right. the pictures, I, I mean, they need to go through training. Well, again. and they're not gory because the type of wound that she had, it was not a bloody wound. Her face was not disfigured or disformed no i get it but what we're going to talk about later yeah. what i saw in the photo that yeah. wasn't talked about i mean no, nothing like zoomed in no uh, except her face right but it just i, I don't know yeah. i mean again i'm not an expert but and i was not the greatest evidence technician but i could fucking take better pictures than I could take better pictures. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, she was found on the floor of the bedroom uh, with a gunshot wound to the inside of her mouth, essentially. Uh, Jeremy's duty weapon was actually found on the left side of Michelle with the gun, gun belt excuse me, on the floor. The tactical light on the weapon was on. There was also a bullet hole in the carpet under her right armpit and what appeared to be pills in the right pocket of her pants. So, for people that, and, and I'm not a gun expert, um, but people that don't know, if you're not familiar with guns, you know, police can have attachments, either laser or, you know, a tactical light uh, mounted on your duty weapon, um, on your pistol. It'll, it'll be underneath, but it extends further than the barrel. It's like half an inch, inch Maybe. past yeah. the barrel. So Deputy Maynard at this point escorted Jeremy out of the house. Um, she could smell alcohol on him. Stated that he started growling like an animal and was punching dents in the squad car. Within minutes of the shooting, uh, multiple off-duty officers who were friends, obviously including his commanding officer, showed up on the scene. <laughs> now... Michelle and was probably walked through the fucking house. Michelle was alive when the police got there because they called an ambulance and the ambulance did try life-saving measures that were ineffective. And she was essentially pronounced dead at the scene at 1148 PM. Oh, I did not know that. Mm, see, it's a little fact. Um, so he could have been doing fucking CPR or something other than crouching in the bathroom. Yeah. So instead of actually taking Jeremy to the police station, he was put in a squad car for an interview um, with his commanding officer sitting in the front seat. Now I have a couple issues with this. Number one, why the fuck is your agency handling mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. They should have called in whoever else this next town over the state whoever you know i don't know how it works in florida i guess that florida florida department of law enforcement is like their state police right essentially yeah. so they should have been called in immediately to handle this now in florida um in situations such as this it is not mandated that towns and or counties call in the FDLE, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, in situations such as this. Which I don't get. I I mean, don't, it's, there should be a policy. It's left up 
to the department. So it's not mandated. Um, I, I mean, it, it should be a policy. It, sh- it should be. I, it I just know makes for sense. us, I mean, like if officer-involved shootings, right. like we have to call right. in public integrity. And that's why I wanted to look it up to make sure because it just – it sounded strange. It sounded odd. But in Florida, it's, it's not mandated. That's weird. So he was put in the squad car for an interview. And that, what? Yeah. What? So he was with interviewed. With his sergeant? With his commanding officer in the front seat, yes. Sitting in. Sitting in the front, yeah, yeah. sitting in what? on it. So, um, so this is already completely flawed. Right. Uh, yeah, from the get-go. So he's giving... Um, the interview to, I believe her name is Jessica Hines. I'm sure I typed it in here somewhere. But yeah, my, it was. My notes were all over the place. So she asked him what happened. Uh, he stated that they were at a Paramore concert that night, and on the way home from the concert, they essentially broke up. Um, he said that he got loud, she got loud, they argued in the car. But by the time they got home, they had calmed down a little bit. He originally stated that it was a mutual decision to break up. Then towards the end of the end of the interview is kind of saying it's it was more his idea. And the pictures at the concert were pretty funny, too. Because like, he looks he <laughs> looks miserable. Yeah. So it was her, <laughs> him and her brother, Sean, that went to the concert. Um, so, like I said, they both calmed down by the time they got home. She went inside to pack her shit. She told him she'd be out by the weekend. He asked her for one last kiss. She said no. He got pissed off and went into the garage, and he was sitting in the motorcycle, sitting on his motorcycle. Um, while he was sitting there, he heard what he said was a quote familiar sound. Said, "Oh shit!" Runs in the house, screams her name, finds the bedroom door locked, goes to the living room to grab his phone, hears a second shot, screams her name again, and kicks in the bedroom door. He, all bullshit. he does admit that he did not check for a pulse or do CPR. His attorney later stated that the reason for this was that his mindset at the time was he was shocked and he was freaked out. Um, fuck you. You're a first responder. Yeah. Okay. So let's just start there. You're a first responder. You fall back on your training. Um, I watched you stop fucking breathing in front of me. Yep. And I thought like a paramedic until you were out of the house. Yeah. Then I panicked. You're a first responder. It just, it should click. Now. So that was when I, I got sick. Oh, yeah. You, you, well, we told him the whole wheelchair thing, so. Yeah. Mark but, went into respiratory arrest at home in front of me. And I was not crouching in the bathroom, you know, waiting for people to show up. I used my training and did what I could, but. The other thing that I didn't understand was, so he didn't do CPR, he didn't check for a pulse, and it was stated that his mindset at the time was because he was too shocked and freaked out, yet he stated in that taped interview that he was cradling Michelle when he after he kicked the door in. So you can cradle her, but you can't figure out if she has a fucking pulse? That's why I call bullshit. So, <clears throat> um, it even says in my notes, he's a fucking first responder. <laughs> so... After the interview in the squad, Jeremy was seen huddling up with his stepfather, who is actually a deputy in another county. Um, His father, who was deceased, was a uh, wildlife preservation officer, I believe, but stepfather obviously was still working as a deputy in another county, and he was surrounded by other officers. 
Deputy Maynard was then tasked with notifying the family. She first went to tell Michelle's brother, Scott, who was also a St. John's deputy. He got upset, handed Maynard his gun and keys, and said, please take these away from me right now. And he went to tell Michelle's mom, who was at work, as a clerk at the sheriff's office. So again, you have so many conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. Yep. Call in another agency. What are you doing? Yeah. So a little background, Um, Jeremy and Michelle actually met through Scott, her brother, in 2009 and started dating immediately. Michelle was a single mom to a four-year-old girl named Alexis, who they called Lexi. She and Lexi quickly moved in with Jeremy. The O'Connell family stated that the relationship started to quickly deteriorate after they got together and Michelle had spoken with family about previous incidents between the two. Um... A few instances. Jeremy was showing Michelle a, quote, submissive move during play wrestling that got out of hand. He slammed her to the ground, putting his knee into her abdomen and chest area, which caused vaginal bleeding afterwards, she said. Per her sister, she refused an ambulance saying, please, you're going to make it hard on me. Another instance was she walked in on Jeremy masturbating to a picture of his ex-girlfriend on his phone. And when confronted by Michelle, he smeared semen all over her face and hair. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Um, what a douche. Wow. Yeah. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. At Thanksgiving dinner, she got in, he got into a fight with her brother. Michelle had a sister and three brothers. So um, I believe it was her brother, Sean, that she got into a fight. He got into a fight with at Thanksgiving. But just the one is a deputy, right? Right, right. So her brother was defending her because essentially Jeremy was being shitty to her. And Scott, the deputy, you know, was like, dude, knock it off. And Jeremy stated to Scott that he was, quote, signal O, which means he was armed. To which Scott then said, why would you bring a gun to Thanksgiving Jeremy? Thanksgiving dinner, Jeremy. And then he basically kicked him out of the house. So well, there's I know so many that carry everything. Oh, that are so, armed all the time. Yeah. Um, which to each his own. I mean, I, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I get it. But I mean, Thanksgiving dinner. Were you going to shoot the turkey? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, one. Sometimes would... it gets a little much. Yeah. Like, well, he's a little much. So Mich- Michelle's family is starting to feel like at this point that she's actually in danger. So her sister, Chrissy, um, said that Michelle was at her house the morning of the shooting. She came over for lunch and said that she was looking for an apartment and she was going to break up with Jeremy. Chrissy had a bad feeling about it and asked her not to go. Michelle was like, Nope, bought the tickets. I'm going. No. Gonna happen. Uh, Michelle's brother, Sean, went with, said that Jeremy was withdrawn during the show, which you can 100% you can see in the him. pictures. Yeah. He at, looks so at one point, miserable. Yeah. At one point, Sean even told Jeremy, like, scoot over. If you're, if you're going to be like Debbie Downer, let me have fun with my sister. So during the show at some point, Chrissy started receiving cryptic text messages from Michelle. Now, Chrissy was babysitting Lexi. The first text message said, quote, promise me one thing, Lexi will be happy and always have a good life. Chrissy responded, promise you what? Michelle responded that no matter what, Lexi will be safe and loved. 
Chrissy responded, what's going on? I'm scared. And then Michelle texted her brother, Scott, Lexi, never forget. And then at the end of the concert, she simply texted Chrissy, I'll be there soon. So was Wait, it? Was, who was that? What brother was at the concert? Sean. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, obviously, she never showed up to pick, pick up Lexi. Right. This has me questioning. Um, was it her sending him? I don't think so. Because, so I, I watch a lot of Dateline and shit, obviously. Um, a friend of mine texted me one day and she said a word that she didn't normally say. And my first thought was, John fucking killer. And now he's texting me from her phone. I, I went into work. I told Kate. And she's like, well, just call her. Nobody questioned that I'm thinking, oh my God, she just got murdered. Right. So then I, I called her and she knows I never call. So... She called me right back. I was like, cool, so you're not dead? And she's like, no. I said, your text message sounded funny. And she's like, John didn't kill me. He's not burying me. I'm like, okay, so we're, we're cool. So, like, that's the first thing I jumped to when the text messages sound weird. Well, fuck, somebody murdered you, and now they're burying you and texting me from your phone because that's what these people do. Yeah. So was it her even texting? I don't think so. So... Michelle's mom and family were told within two hours of the shooting that she had committed suicide. To the sheriff's department, these text messages showed intent of suicide, but to her family, it showed possibly that she felt like she was in danger. Yeah, which could be too. Maybe it was her, and maybe she's thinking, fuck, when I break up with him, now she told, I, I know what's going to happen. Yeah, she did tell Chrissy that she anticipated a fight because Jeremy was going to want to go out after the concert and she wasn't going to want to. So she was already anticipating it getting kind of ugly. Um, her family was adamant that there's no way that she would commit suicide. There was no note. Um, she had plans written in her planner, including a CPR class that she was supposed to take in two days. She had also just landed her dream job at a daycare center with benefits. She was so excited. She said she was just going to go to the doctor for no reason, just because she could. So, so you're planning all this. You, right. You have a daughter. Right. Who you're excited just to have health insurance for. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. You, planning the breakup is different than. Right. And they say when it comes to domestic violence, they say on average it takes seven times for a woman to leave. But the most dangerous part of the relationship is actually after the breakup. Yeah. That's generally I mean, when the most damage is done. Yeah. So, um, also, women generally do not shoot themselves in the head or the face. If they are going to use a weapon, which is only 21% of the time, they are generally going to shoot themselves in the stomach. Yep. So. I did know that. We learned a lot about suicides by gunshot so there was also well, I, actually a lot of this i i mean i was taught yeah in death investigation mm -hmm. classes and yeah. evidence technician so there was also two shots now the sheriff sheriff david shore the one we were talking about earlier the idiot um stated that it's not uncommon for some suicide victims to fire a quote test shot now I had multiple conversations with multiple police officers mm -hmm. about this because I figured, well, shit, I know them. Let me utilize them. I know. Um, I'm sorry I'm like no help with that because out of all the dead bodies I've handled, I've never had now, a suicide. I've had three by GSW to the head. All men, 
I mean, but there wasn't a fucking test shot. I'll tell you that. Um, the way it was explained to me by one officer was the odds of seeing, actually, well, they kind of both said the same thing, two of them. Once you're committed to killing yourself, you're going to do it. You're going to fucking do it. Yeah. And you're not going to fire a test shot because it, why? Why would you? And you said if there was a test shot, you know, you shoot the TV, you shoot the wall, then you generally won't you finish back the out, deed. You back out. You want right. to see, you, you're test firing right. to see how, <clears throat> right. what, what's coming essentially, and you back out. Right. I believe I was ta- taught that. I I mean, it sounds. I'm not 100% on that, good. but. Now, the most common place um, to shoot yourself in the head is the right temple at a downward trajectory. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, women, again, like I said, won't shoot themselves in the head. They're generally going to shoot themselves in the stomach. Right. They don't want to be messy. Right. Right. Um, so a lot of, a lot of the, the guys were like, no. There's the test shot. What the fuck are you talking about? No. Everyone that I've seen was male, right temple. Exactly that. The only time I could find that there were two um, bullets fired was in the very rare cases of simultaneous gunshots, one to each temple by mm. the person. Yeah, I've, all, in all the dead bodies and all the autopsies, mm-hmm. I. Oh, I was in the, on, uh, there was a suicide, but it was a male hanging. Yeah. That was at the morgue. That's the seventh common cause for women, uh, second for men. Yeah. Men, uh, succeed more often because their attempts, quote unquote, are more lethal. Yeah. Uh, but women try more often. Right. I told you I learned a lot. I, I went yeah. into some deep rabbit holes. I know. You're right though. So Michelle wasn't even at the ME's office when her family was already told it was suicide. They, yeah, so they, they really weren't entertaining uh, anything other than suicide. So you've got no fucking canvas of the neighbors. Nothing. Like check for cameras, you know, they, on the street, in the house. Like minimal no, no, was done. Yeah. No interview with the family. No. So every, the, so that the investigators actually, were already just, I mean, it was already being classified as suicide. That Oh, yeah. And the no interview with the family actually comes into play here in a second. Um, so the St. John's County Detective Jessica Hines that did uh, end up interviewing in the car was heard stating that night on a recorded interview, I didn't have any suspicions that it was anything other than suicide. I think that's what we were all kind of discussing, but just making sure that we covered our bases, which they fucking didn't. No, they didn't. And if you watch the documentary that I watched, the PBS one, I get like, as investigators, we always would try to get a rapport with everyone we interviewed. You know, that's just how we did it. So they would talk to us. But, like, honestly, to me, like, some of the comments she was making, it was almost like she was flirting with them. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounded like. I, I just... Same thing. He was interviewed 12 days later at the police station. And, that's, and same that's thing. Where, it was another female detective. And it was her. It was the same one. Yeah, it was same her. Same thing. They and were laughing. And... I get, like, again, with 
building a rapport. But that's but not a rapport. No. Yeah. On top of the fact that in that second taped interview 12 days later, he admitted that he had seen um, all the investigators' yes. reports. And that he had gotten access to it. How and why she laughed the, it off. Why in the fuck does he have access to it? She laughed it and off, And why too. the fuck didn't she, like, it wasn't say anything e- It wasn't about even that. addressed. It wasn't even addressed. Fucking terrible. So now Deborah Maynard, who remember was the first one that uh, she got the call. She was one of the three that arrived. She actually questioned what she was hearing, saying, quote, immediately it was almost like they were taking Jeremy's word that she shot herself at that point. We were told it was a suicide, though we're trained to say every scene is a homicide until proven otherwise. Yeah. But they immediately started calling it a suicide. Now... I just want to note that she was actually later fired from the sheriff's um, office for, quote, untruthfulness. She stated that she was asked by the sheriff, Sheriff David Shore, to lie about a case, and she refused to lie, and she was terminated shortly after. What? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Another detective on scene was quoted as saying, quote, for her to stand there and allow someone to put a firearm in her mouth is ridiculous. But then stated that there were a lot of things that bugged him, but there was a plausible explanation for what bothered him. And we, we had hours-long discussion about yeah. this. Um, he stated that there was no bruising on Michelle, which to him indicated that there was no struggle, which we'll find out later that was not true. But right. she did have other wounds. Um, he said that the gun on the left was strange, but she could have used her left hand. He also said that the light could have been on and the initial shot could have been fired because she was unfamiliar with the weapon. Now, this is a big, huge thing that comes up later, but Jeremy on his Judy belt had what's called a retention holster. Mm-hmm. Those, you explain it, because I'll i sound like an idiot. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's... Uh, God... It's hard to explain it, you know, if it's not in front of you. But basically, it's just it's a, a type of holster that is, in layperson's terms, extra safe. Yeah. Basically, so there's a special way to remove the weapon from the holster. Yeah, there's different versions of retention holsters, but the one he had was. I think the same, it looked like the same one I did. Right. So essentially you're going to, there's a flap over, um, over, over the top of the gun in the holster and you would, there's a special way to maneuver it to get the gun out. Like you push, there's a button Mm -hmm. on the side, then you push down and forward and then you can release the gun. So basically if, if you don't, if you've never, seen that type of holster or handled it you wouldn't be able to get the gun out we've been together 12 years and i have no fucking clue how to get your duty weapon out of that holster right on top of the fact you would think if you're not familiar with it you're gonna start yanking on it in any way to get it off so your first instinct would be to try and push that flap down and you you noticed that the flap is up in the photograph it is. And again, the photos are shit. They're from a distance. Nothing is zoomed in. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you fucking take a close up of the holster, the right. duty belt? Right. The flap is up. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't even think the gun was in the holster. Mm-mm. The gun was out. And if it was in the holster, somebody who knew how to use it removed it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying but she But why didn't... are you going to put the flap back up? Right. I mean, she. I'm not saying she didn't know anything about weapons because it's never really discussed. But I mean, I don't know that much about weapons. I'm not an idiot. But I also know that... I can't get Mark's duty weapon out of the retention holster. I don't. I don't know how. No, you. It's made so suspects. If you're in a right. fight, they're not going to be able to pull it out. So you would think after a year of dating, she's not going to be. I mean, no, she wouldn't be that aware of it. So others actually also had doubts, the same as Deborah. Uh, Sergeant Scott Beaver, who worked the investigation and actually took charge of the scene, was quoted as saying, "When I first walked into that room, the." First thought that went through my mind was, this is not good for Jeremy. (laughs) I was in the homicide unit for a few years, and it didn't add up. But I didn't do any more investigation than that. Oh, great job. Yeah. So the attorney later stated that Jeremy was actually not really good about securing his weapon. And his attorney, and this pissed me off, said that... You know, it's policy that law enforcement officers should lock their guns up when they get home. But, you know, most law enforcement officers, almost all of them, come home and take their guns off and just place it in a chair or somewhere else. That's the first thing from the fucking truth. They don't always lock them up unless, quote, there's children. So, first of all, there's a four-year-old who lives in that house. Second of all, uh, I call bullshit and any cop that you ask that is above the age of 19 will tell you no. Mark would come home, and the first thing he would do was go upstairs and put his gun away. First thing. And 99% of cops have fucking safes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. The gun was out. It was not in the holster. Yeah. So, um, I even, I put, yeah, I said, Mark always puts his fucking gun away as soon as he walks in the door. There was also two long guns leaning against the wall that were photographed. So, those weren't even put away. Um, so the deputies uh, on the scene and at the station refused to take any statements from her family. Her sister, Chrissy, tried to give a statement, even going as far as saying, can I give a statement? Uh, said that Michelle had spoken with her earlier that morning and the conversation included domestic violence. The deputies said it was hearsay and it wouldn't help the investigation at all. Wasn't it the lieutenant? Or is that later on when the family's talking to the one lieutenant? That's later on. And he, what a dick. Yeah, yeah. What a dick. So Sheriff David Shore has to make a decision now about who's actually going to investigate this case, which was essentially the investigation was done before the sun even came up. But And he's right, 60% yeah. failing. So he said he opted for his office versus the Florida Department of Law Enforcement to take the case um he supported his officer 100 percent, which caused a huge conflict between the agencies the family felt that the fdle should have been brought in because the sheriff's office was blinded um at, excuse me had blinded itself to one of its own being involved in a fatal domestic violence case. yes yeah, of course so in florida like we talked about it's not mandated they don't have to so he, he chose to mind. take it on yeah so a month later The lead investigator, which is the lieutenant you were just talking about, told the O'Connell family that the state investigators did not have the experience for this task. Quote, my investigators are far and above better than what the FDLE is ever going to give you. Now, the investigators that were put on the case, 
Two of the lead detectives had only worked three homicides between the two of them. <laughs> One of the supervisors uh, had been disciplined for inept investigation of an attempted murder. And two months after the shooting, one of the investigators was reprimanded for sexually harassing a female officer. So these guys are stellar. Yeah. Stellar. All right, man. This is where he turns into an asshole. He was also quoted as saying he objected to the tone of the family's questions. Quote, I feel like this is a damned inquisition. I haven't done anything wrong, guys. The sheriff's office hasn't done anything wrong. I'm sorry. Their loved one is dead. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that they can be as shitty as they want to be. And (laughs) your job is to just nod and smile at them and try to answer their fucking questions. Exactly. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Right. It's being investigated. And I mean, we've we've both dealt with... You're a fucking lieutenant. Right. We've both dealt with shitty, shitty family members on scene. And 90% of the time, they... They're not shitty people. They're just in a shitty situation, and they want answers. We've, you know, for a fact, I've been on murders with the task force mm-hmm. where we've had the victims, the victims' family, tell us to fuck off. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we still fucking investigate. Yeah. I I had a woman try to jump on my back when I was doing CPR on her dad. Like we we get it. But as a law enforcement officer, first responder, an investigator, detective, whatever the fuck you want to be, it's your job to not be a dickhead. Right. The family's going to ask questions, and they are probably not going to be pleasant when they ask those questions, and I think that's their right. Yeah. So they they think you're covering something up. Like, how pleasant do you want them to? I'm not pleasant on a regular fucking basis. How pleasant do you want these people to be? You got that right. I, seriously. <laughs> that that one really pissed me off. I need another vape. I, yeah. Give me a puff. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that that really pissed me off when he said that. Like, fuck yeah. you. You're a douche, too. And he sounded like a hillbilly. And... Oh, my God. So I, I then wrote, there's so much better, but they fucked up so many times. Um, they did collect the gun and evidence, but they never sent it for any testing. So it was collected and just kind of put away. Uh, Sheriff Shore would later go on to state that there were up to 11 uh, fuck-ups. He didn't say fuck-ups, obviously. In the investigation, including not having the evidence tested right away, not collecting Jeremy's clothing. GSR. Not getting phone records, and not casing the neighborhood for witnesses. Oh, no shit. (laughs) So two days... You don't fucking say. Two days later, the... Uh, Emmy, Dr. Frederick Hoban, declared the death a suicide um, by GSW that severed the spinal cord. Now, while they found 50 and a half pills in her pocket, there was nothing in her system. The pill bottles were found opened in her purse. They weren't, were, weren't they? They were his. Yeah. They weren't hers. I, I thought, like, in one of the pictures, I thought it was his name on it. It is his. It's, yeah. it's his two pill bottles. And there were 50 and a half pills in her pocket, but there was no evidence of any medication in her system. There was a little bit of alcohol, but she was at a fucking concert. Yeah. I, you know. Um, so. But what's he. T- what, what, what they is never. He? They never said. I couldn't find it anywhere. And I, I dug deep and I couldn't find what the pills were. So. It was uh, hydrocoding. Was it? Yeah. Vicodin? Yeah. Oh. Well, maybe you look So that's why it was on the picture. Oh, see, I didn't look at the picture. Okay. Yeah, I said it right, right? Hydrocodone. Yeah. 
but I mean, that's a painkiller. So what, what, what is he taking it for? Right. Well, yeah. And <laughs> is he fucking on duty? Well, she, I mean, if you want to make it look like she took him, you maybe want to like rub one on her tongue or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, have her lick one. I don't, I don't know. So Michelle's family is pissed. And they are continuously contacting the sheriff's office to get them to actually further investigate this. Keep talking. I got to take my pills. So speaking of (laughs) hydrocodone. um, So in January of 2011, Sheriff Shore conceded finally and called the FDLEN to investigate the case. How many days after? Uh, it was a couple months. So it was Jesus January 2011. Christ. Why so it was even bother? Like four months. Because the family wouldn't stop. So the only reason that he actually called the FDLEN was to um, get the family to stop bothering him. Jesus. Essentially. So the FDLE comes in and they really agree with the family regarding the investigation that there really was a lack of investigation. Um, so they bring in special investigator Rusty Rogers. And he immediately starts doing... What a cool name. I know. Uh, He starts doing all the shit that should have been done the first time around. Huh. Interview the family. Huh. Fucking take statements. So he interviews the family. (laughs) He sends... talk to the neighbors. He talks to the neighbors. I will get to that in a second. So... I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. And there were so many better detectives and I felt like... I don't think so. Babe, I thought you were fucking great at your job. Well, thank you. But... Lugo, you too. Yeah, Lugo was yeah. the man, and and Tony. But uh, but I mean, don't touch guy, his whiteboard. Yeah, I know. Sorry, but like I, I was always intimidated working with the task force. To be honest with and you, and you were the biggest one there. Yeah, but seriously, <laughs> like those guys, I, all the supervisors, they're, they're like, good. They knew their shit. Yeah. Well, so do you. So uh, they they knew their shit. So he sent in all the evidence for testing, huh? Imagine that. The test results came back in February of 2011. There was copious amounts of gunshot residue on Michelle's hands. But what I noticed in the photos is there's no back spatter on her hands. There's no blood on her hands. Yeah. So there was trace evidence of gunshot residue on Jeremy's hands. It was not enough to be forensically significant although he denied washing his hands. Now, my question was... Why the fuck are you going to wash your hands? Well, they asked him. They asked him if he washed his hands. Yeah. Why? Other than to get the fucking gunshot residue off. Right, while you're cowering in the bathroom. So, he said, like I said earlier, that he was cradling her. Now, I went into a deep hole about gunshot residue. You can get uh, GSR on you just by walking into a room where a weapon was fired. Yeah. However, fucking everywhere. if you are cradling a woman who is covered in gunshot residue, were you cradling her feet? Because you have such a minute amount of GSR on your hands that it's forensically insignificant. But you were cradling the woman that just supposedly shot herself. But did they ever do gunshot residue on his clothes? No. Why? Because they never collected his clothing. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. So... Now, here's the other thing. There was no, um, there was none of his DNA or fingerprints on the weapon or the gun belt. Now, he was on shift earlier that day. So he had worn the belt the same day of the shooting. He had handled his weapon the same day of the shooting. 
No DNA, no fingerprints. Not a single fucking solitary one. So it's wiped off. Um, also, there was none of Michelle's DNA or fingerprints found on the pills in her pocket or the pill bottles in her purse. They then interviewed the neighbors mm. and found two women who said that they heard screams for help that night. You got to understand, I hated canvassing. I literally was talking about that earlier today, about how when Jack wanted video, you used to hate it because you would have to walk. Yes. Yeah. I, like, I dreaded it. <laughs> but, like, it, it, you got to do it. So these women because said... Because you would be surprised what fucking neighbors... Oh, cap you know get and then like canvassing for video like it 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 fucking helped so they were in their garage uh smoking a cigarette and they heard a woman scream for help followed by a gunshot followed by a woman screaming for help again followed by another gun gunshot and they said about 10 minutes later they heard sirens so they didn't call anybody they figured people were coming so um generally i'm thinking if you're gonna commit suicide you're not going to scream for help right so these women were actually given a polygraph by the secret service what the fuck is with the polygraph i don't know but when the secret service gives it to you i don't know but they they passed so they they showed no deception in what they were saying now sheriff short later comes out and says that these women told the investigators that they were outside smoking pot and that they constantly smoke pot what does that matter? It doesn't, but these these chicks were pissed. They were like, fuck you. That's not what we said. You're you're going to fix that. Yeah. He refused to, to amend the paperwork. Wouldn't redact it. Wouldn't fix it. Wouldn't do shit. Refused. So, Dr. Hoban, the ME, after hearing about the two neighbors that were spoken to, changed his ruling to homicide but it was not officially changed on the death certificate. They also... Then it... I'm getting there. Okay. I'll get there. Uh, Alexis, her daughter, was also given a forensic interview by the University of Florida Child Protection Team. She was five years old at the time of the interview. She stated that Jeremy was a mean man and that she had seen her mom and Jeremy fight and that she had witnessed Jeremy hit her mother with a belt while her mom yelled, quote, stop, stop. So a forensic interview, we, we call them forensic interviews. Yeah, that's what I have heard. Up, up here, yeah. too. Basically, if there's any kind of incident with a juvenile witness or victim, um, we wouldn't interview them. We would take them, like for us, we would take them to in a town that was close to us, had a children's hospital, and they had trained therapists, essentially, that would interview They were specialized in interviewing children. Yeah, exactly. Specialized with children who have gone through traumatic uh, events. So... Um, and then it, it is recorded, and that's, that's evidence. Yes. So uh, Rusty, because I like saying Rusty, yeah, Rusty, was questioning all of the physical evidence and decided to have the FDLE bring in a crime scene reconstructionist. Rusty knows what's up. He knows what's up. 
<clears throat> excuse me. So he calls in a gentleman by the name of Jerry Finley, who had 40 plus years of experience as a crime scene reconstructionist. So the first thing Jerry did was he questioned the location of the shell casings. Now, he did note that it is common in crime scenes for casings to be inadvertently moved and or kicked or something um, most yeah, of the time by on. EMS. I, I was just yeah. going to say it. It, it was it's, always you fucking guys. I'm telling, like, in, in orientation, I stress so much. I'm like, guys, please don't pick up shell casings. Like, don't drive through a crime scene. Cut around holes. Like, And sometimes we, we'd be so ghetto. Like, we'd... Th- like you're I, spitting on the scene, leaving your DNA everywhere. Yeah, true. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, oh God, I mean, the the scenes with fucking like fifty rounds shot in the street, I and mean, just put a fucking piece of paper. I mean, what else do you have? <laughs> That's all we yeah. have. Yeah, you don't have those little cones. No, I'd fucking tear out from my notebook yeah. and just fold it up and put it so, over. So, um. Jerry said that it's highly unlikely that the shells were kicked or moved. He said specifically by EMS, which I'm not taking offense to. Yeah. Uh, because of the sizable objects that were between the body and the shells. So he test fired the same weapon, which was a Heckler and Cock 45 caliber pistol. He fired this uh, weapon from 18 different positions and concluded, based on the location of the shells, that the shooter had to be left-handed. Which she was not. He said the person, excuse me, the person who pulled the trigger had to be left-handed. Which she was not. She was right? not. Was she he? Was, he was left-handed. Michelle is right-handed. Jeremy is left-handed. So the shells were found to the back and to the left of Michelle. He was also very speci- suspicious of none of Jeremy's DNA being on the gun. Yeah. Because duh. It's your fucking gun. Unless you're a gun nut and fucking clean your gun every day. Yeah. Okay. And your belt. Dude, trust me. So there's some out there. I know. So you you know that (laughs) we discussed earlier that um, while one of the investigators said there was no bruising, quote unquote, on her body, there were other wounds. She did have a cut above her right eye which was the exact same size as the gun sight. Now, Mr. Finley believes that this wound was um, done prior to the actual shooting. Which I agree. I mean, looking at the photos... It appears as if she was hit with the gun. Yeah, but it looks old. The wound on her lip is... Yeah, we talked about that. ...is fresh. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's red, Mm -hmm. it's sliced, it's fresh... And above her eye, it's already... It's like a bubble. It's almost like a blood blister. It's already bruising. it, It looks old to me. So he stated, quote, The totality of the circumstances are not consistent with suicide. However, they are consistent with homicide. So he thought that, obviously, they were. It was homicide. In spring of 2011, Rusty shares these findings with the state's attorney and the medical examiner. I was just going to say, like, are they bringing this to a grand jury or what the fuck is going on? So the state's attorney decides that he wants to investigate this case further and he talks to the family about exhuming her body. The family's like, fuck yes, let's do this. Yeah. So... He then tells Dr. Hoban to hold off on amending the death certificate because the case is going in a different direction. 
in October of 2011, this this particular prosecutor recuses, Jesus Christ, recuses himself because of his relationship with the sheriff's office. So... Fucking elected officials. Yeah, so now they have a second medical examiner look at this case, and his name was Predlog Bullock. And he cracked me up in the video. He, he's an idiot. He looks um, like, uh, so his theory was that it was suicide, and I she, liked his picture that he fucking with the gun up there. Looks like our fucking like Jacks, our kid made it. Yeah. Um. Oh, the drawing that yeah. he matches up. Yeah. Um, so he thought his theory was that it was suicide and that Michelle used her left hand to hold the gun and her right uh, thumb, I believe, to pull the trigger and that the tactical light was actually what caused the cut on her eye. Um, Dr. Peter DeForest, who was a forensic scientist who looked at the case, said the upside down theory is flawed and, quote, the idea of the gun recoiling forward is absurd. Peter I'm going to butcher his name, Dyagzik. He was a firearms expert that was consulted in this case, um, said he's fired guns tens of thousands of times and never experienced a gun moving forward. But you, you missed the part in the documentary where... No, I'm getting there. Oh, I'm getting okay. There. Okay. Um, so bad. he test fired the same make and model with the same exact tack light with a reporter present recording this documented the results with high-speed photography and said, quote, the tack light went rearward with the rest of the gun. The Also, with the upside-down theory, the spent casings may not have ejected because of her grip. Um, her left hand, according to him, her left hand would have been underneath the weapon holding it. Her right thumb would pull the trigger, which would have covered the ejection port or impeded the rearward, rearward movement of the slide that ejects the shell. Yeah. Uh, if the shell had ejected, it would have gone in the opposite direction of where it was found. They also speculate that if she did fire the weapon, she would have had wounds from the sharp edges on the bottom of the slide, which is actually documented in... I don't know if it was the documentary that yeah. you watched, but the person test firing the weapon. He held it like... Like she did. The, the ME said she did. Right. He held it upside down and had wounds slices, to his hands. Yeah, it sliced his hand. So... But you, I don't think you're going to bring it up. I think you missed it. When the goof ME... Goes to take it out? Yeah. I didn't miss it. Oh, okay. Um, so he also measured wrong. He measured the gun wrong. He measured the distance wrong. Yeah, it wasn't even to scale, Yeah, the picture. No, it wasn't at all. Um, now, the gun expert, Mr. Dyagzik, stated, quote, I'm not saying that the tactical light could not have made that injury. I'm saying it did not make that injury at the same time the fatal shot was fired. Um, a gentleman by the name of Vernon Gaberth, these names, was a former New York City commander, and he is a homicide investigations expert said it was, quote, absolutely ludicrous that Miss O'Connell would take a gun, turn the tactical light on, then turn it upside down to shoot herself. Um, during the investigation by the New York Times, here it is, Bullock was asked to demonstrate the position he believed Michelle had held the gun at. The replica gun that they handed him was within a tenth of an inch of the actual weapon. He put the barrel in his mouth, and the tactical light came nowhere near the eye. 
Yeah, but did you see him trying to get he out of the He could not. Yes. He yeah. also could not get the gun out of the holster. Yeah, the reporter gave him the gun in the holster, mm-hmm. in the retention holster. And he stated, could somebody get this out for me? <laughs> he's trying to buy it, but like he's got an ac- awful accent. Right. I, I, I can, can someone well, get this? Well, he, then he can't get it out. Yeah. Okay. And then actually states that he would have figured it out by eventually, yeah. you know, eventually, <laughs> and that a child could have pulled it out by accident. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're a, you're a doctor. You're supposed to be smarter than everybody in that fucking room combined. Yeah. And you're saying that you couldn't get it out, but a kid could fucking figure it out? And I've never had, going back to the picture again, I've never at any autopsy I've been to, I've never had one of the Emmys draw or, like, make a diagram like him. Hey, let me show you something. Yeah, it was this guy. So, it it gets worse with the Emmys. So, I still just, I can't get over the fact that he's like, well, I would have eventually figured it out. And, you know, a kid could still pull it out by accident. You couldn't pull it out. Mm. You're, yeah. I'll pull it out. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, So Detective Shore and Jeremy Banks were not happy with Rusty Rogers' investigation. Yeah, no shit, because he knows (laughs) you fucking did your job. Because it's not in your favor? Um, Because of this, in December 2011, Governor Rick Scott uh, assigns a state's attorney from the 5th District, which is a different district than they were in, um, to be the special prosecutor to review Rogers' investigation. This gentleman's name was Bradley King. I feel he is also an idiot. Let me just throw that out there. Um, So King sent his investigators to speak with Jerry Finley, the crime scene reconstructionist. And he said, quote, the whole tone of the interview was for me to tailor my report or soften my report to where it could be more conducive to suicide rather than homicide. King followed it up by stating, you can't predict necessarily where a shot shell is going to end up. You simply can't. And in my notes, I put, so I'm supposed to believe this fuck stick over a gun expert and a reconstructionist. (laughs) So it it is, I did find out that um, Bradley King was actually a deputy for a short period of time before becoming a lawyer. However, again, not a gun expert, not a crime scene reconstructionist. So... Shut up. Your point means nothing to <laughs> right. me. Yeah. Um, so according to a memo released by King, the investigator stated that Finley had not considered Bullock's theory of the upside down weapon. Finley replied with, quote, that's a lie. I did consider that. And like I told them, I ruled it out fairly quickly. Same with the gun expert. They were both like, this is fucking comical and you're an idiot. Yeah. So he's King then stated in an interview with New York Times that looking at the evidence, you would even have to say that it's legitimately possible that Michelle killed herself. And quote, if she if that's the case, I lose. Which whatever. Um, he stated that he was closing the case due to lack of evidence uh, proving homicide. So there wasn't enough for a murder charge. Now, he never said that she killed herself, though. He never came out and publicly said it it was suicide during this investigation. It was suicide. Uh, Simply concluded that there wasn't sufficient evidence to bring charges. Wow. So the family is pissed. Um, Her brother, Scott, who was a deputy, 
had such an emotional outburst, um, he actually threatened to blow up the sheriff's building, and he was fired. I don't blame him. Um, The sheriff sang his praises for Bradley King, saying obviously he was spot on because he agreed. Um, In February of 2013, Sheriff Shore finds out that the New York Times and Frontline, that's the PBS people, are investigating the case together. He then orders a review of the entire investigation. In March of 2013, he releases a 152-page report stating that he acknowledges his guys made mistakes, but he also he also accuses Rusty Rogers of falsifying paperwork to get warrants and to influence medical authorities. Yeah, which is crazy because they fucking put Rusty on. They suspended him. Yeah, they which, did. What? They did. Um, I so, hope he fucking sued. Yeah. So this. Um, this report, um, it stated that Rusty was more of an advocate for the family than an impartial investigator. Um, it was filled with opinion, and at times it was factually inaccurate. So now the head of the Jacksonville field office of the FDLE. What, the, the neighbors taking their statements? He, taking... Put, he put, that's the report that he put that they smoked pot, and that he wouldn't redact. Um hmm. So Dominic Pape, he is the head of Jacksonville field office of the FDLE, is super pissed. So he calls for a special inquest of this. In response to this, Bradley King releases a five-page memo stating that his decision was primarily based on the pathologist's findings. Quote, three MEs have reviewed the file and concluded it was suicide. Pape said the conclusions, especially Bullock's upside-down bullshit theory, uh, were confusing and unpersuasive. Dr. Hoban, the original Emmy, had changed his mind three times. He originally said it was suicide. Then, upon hearing of the neighbor's testimony, he changed it to homicide. Then he told the local reporter he didn't know what the fuck happened. And then he told the New York Times that he again believed it was suicide. Sir, why are you an Emmy? I, I'm telling you. So, Bradley King actually asked a third Emmy to come in and review the case. So he reviewed the case. He didn't obviously examine Michelle because she was not exhumed at this point. They did not decide to exhume her. So this gentleman was a former ME in King's district, and he just asked him to review the case. When this particular ME was asked about the case in interviews, he stated that he couldn't remember the case in detail. Now, Mr. Pape also complained that there was lack of written reports explaining these Emmys' decisions. So nobody wrote anything down. Jesus um, Christ. So Hoban had actually, he had several different reports with a lot of information that wasn't in there, including a broken tooth. He forgot to mention that in all of his reports. There's something else that comes out later that he missed too. Um <laughs> Bullock said that he didn't do a report because this was Hoban's case and that he only looked into it, quote, out of pure curiosity and to satisfy the many different people who came and asked for my opinion. So this fuckstack comes up with this upside down bullshit theory and tries to throw it at everybody. And he's not even technically on this fucking case. (laughs) The third Emmy did not give a written report. Do you want to know why? Bradley, He's an idiot too. Bradley King is quoted as saying 
that the third ME didn't have a written report because, quote, I simply was not willing to spend 5,000 taxpayer dollars to get another report to say it's suicide. Then why the fuck did you ask him to review the case? Yeah. Hmm. So there's no written report and he can't remember any details. Is that because he didn't agree with you? Why the, why the fuck did, like, so you didn't have to pay him to review the case, you have to pay him to write it down? Right. I don't think that's how that works. So, like you said, in April of 2013, unfortunately, the FDLE receives a lot of shit from the sheriff's office, and they do suspend Rusty Rogers. So what? Tell him to fuck uh, off. So he's suspended, actually, for three years. He wasn't Three years? He wasn't reinstated until 2016. Shut the yeah. f- now, Dominic Pape actually... Dude, I hope he sued. I know. He... In his department? Like, shame on them. Yeah. They and should have told the it's sheriff's the State office, Department. Fuck you yeah. guys. Um, Dominic Pope, or... Pape. Sorry, not Pope. I'm like, I know that's a typo. Vape. He, he retired in May of 2013, a month after Rusty Rogers was suspended. Uh, Jeremy Banks then decides he's going to file suit against Rusty Rogers and the FDLE. Are you ready for this one? Yeah. Saying his civil rights were violated. That he was he was held against his will to be interviewed. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, whatever. So now Governor Rick Scott gives an executive order to reopen the case. And he assigns... Originally, <clears throat> excuse me, it would have been R.J. LaRizza, who is a state's attorney who actually received a letter from a new, wit- a new witness a month prior, which this is why the case was reopened. So LaRizza didn't want to look like he was taking sides or he was doing anything wrong. So he turned the letter over and recused himself. Yeah. So the governor appointed special prosecutor Jeffrey Ashton. Um, so the new evidence was that a bar owner said that Jeremy was in the bar the night after the murder and he was making derogatory statements about Michelle, including, quote, the fucking bitch got what she deserved. Wow. Uh, Jeremy obviously denies ever being in that bar and there's no cameras. I was just going to say. But they did prove that. It would have been fucking awesome oh, if there was. They, they proved that he was there. Uh, in use his credit card or in something? July, it doesn't say. It just says in uh, July of 2015, Jeffrey Ashton states in his 70-page report that the case does not meet the standards established for prosecution, and that the statements that the witness made made no difference in the case. Wow. So, in 2016, the family says, "Fuck you, everybody," and they exhume Michelle. Now, it's an independent medical examiner by the name of Dr. Bill Anderson, and he does an x-ray of her head and finds something very peculiar. Peculiar. Her jaw is broken. Her mandible is broken. Okay. So that's her, her bottom jaw. With, it's consistent with blunt force trauma. He also says well, that... I mean... No, I'm getting there. Um, shot in the mouth. No. No. Okay. So he also says that her tongue is in an abnormal position for somebody who would commit suicide, and it, it appears that she was possibly gagging prior to being shot, which means I feel like somebody shoved the gun in her yeah. mouth versus her. Um, so at this point, he's like, well, what the fuck? Like, how come the first guy missed this? 
Well, and the broken tooth. Yeah, so he didn't write down a broken tooth. He didn't write down a broken jaw. Now, the sheriff Dude, comes to his I, defense and yeah, says... but so you got the tactical light in the barrel, so her fucking <clears throat> mouth is open. Wide. Wide. Right. So there's the broken tooth. Right. It's fucking shoved in her mouth. So the sheriff actually comes to Dr. Hoban's uh, defense and says that he didn't miss it. He did write it down in his field notes, not his autopsy report. Okay. Which is funny well, because your field notes are still fucking well, collected. Well, your field notes mean dick because they couldn't find this broken jaw without an X-ray because it wasn't displaced. So it's it didn't you couldn't see from the outside that her jaw was broken. Right. It was a line on an X-ray. Um. So the damage from the gun inside of her mouth was actually minimal and was not consistent with enough force to cause a broken jaw. If the gunshot would have been enough force to break her jaw, it would have caused significant damage to the surrounding soft tissue. It would have so been destroyed. Probably when he shoved the gun in her mouth and fucking... There was a hole in her tongue. That was it. So that's why it wasn't a messy scene because it didn't, it didn't oh my God. obliterate her face. This is murder. I mean, look at the one crime scene photo. If, if she would have stuck the gun right in the front of her yeah, mouth, her been. face would have been fucking obliterated. Yeah. So, Shure, again, was pissed. He said that this was a freelance-type approach and that a paid expert was hired by the family members to produce a report that, of course, would support their belief about this case. Dr. Anderson then comes out and publicly announces that he did this pro bono, and he was not paid. Hmm. In 2018, Jeremy's lawsuit against Rusty Rogers and the FDLE was dismissed because the Good. judge is like, you're full of fucking shit. Your civil rights weren't violated. You're a fucking murderer. Thank God someone has a fucking brain there. Right. So now, a little side note here. In 2018, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll be proper here, mm -hmm. a person by the name of Ellie Washtalk, who identified as multiple genders, but from what I could see last, identified as male. So I will call him he because I will forget to say they. Um, oh boy. He became utterly fascinated with this case and started just diving right in. He ended up reaching out to Michelle's mom. They became good friends. He yeah. hired a PI to actually investigate this case. Okay. Um, Patty, Michelle's mom, made a Facebook comment that Ellie had told her he had been run off the road by a sheriff's vehicle. Uh, he said he's now terrified. He ends up telling his neighbor he thinks he's going to be killed. So he lives in a condo. He rents a second condo for his kids to sleep in because he's, he's terrified. He thinks somebody's going to break in and fucking kill him. Yeah. On January 23rd of 2019, the PI makes a records request for, a, for the full 911 call and certain crime seen photos on January 30th of 2019 uh, the kids sleep in the second condo for the first time on January 31st of 2019 in the morning his son goes um, to see Ellie and finds that the lock is broken goes inside and finds Ellie is shot to death what yes Michelle's mom very uh, I didn't know about all yes, this Michelle's mom Holy very shit publicly states that she thinks Ellie was getting too close and had learned too much. Uh, yeah. So in May of 2019, Ellie's death was formally declared a homicide. In, did I, I like, did I skip a page? No, I guess I didn't. 
Well, you have 10,000 pages, so. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I guess I didn't. Okay. So in the summer of 2019, Sheriff Shore held a party, which was classified as a pep rally. It was like a conference. Right. For banks at the Renaissance World Golf Village Resort. It was attended by staff and also attended by Scott O'Connell and his wife. After a long talk with the sheriff, uh, Scott O'Connell was actually reinstated to the sheriff's department in a clerical position. He was not reinstated as an officer. Oh, I thought he was. No. Um, Jeremy was actually, he, so he was put on routine administrative leave after the shooting, paid leave, and was reinstated in 2013. So he was back on the street as a cop. Wow. Um, Scott was back doing a, um, a clerical job and the sheriff stated that he gave him back his job because he felt that the family was railroaded so yeah by you yeah scott comes out and says that um he does think that the fdle manipulated the family into thinking that his sister was murdered what yeah Yeah. um sheriff shore then introduces jeremy's parents saying he had known them for quote many 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 years So that's a little tidbit that never came out, that he's known Jeremy since birth. Um, He said, quote, Jeremy Banks had nothing to do with the case. He called Banks and O'Connell victims. He then motioned to Banks and said, quote, this guy here came so damn close to being charged with homicide, it's scary. He had the two stand and said, let's give these two guys a hand. Yeah, and that was in the documentary, and that yeah. was weird as fuck. Yeah. So, I, so the thing I guess, like, I I get the brotherhood. I've I've, I've seen the fucking brotherhood firsthand. Mm-hmm. You guys don't fuck around, like Lugo and everybody else. I mean, no, immediately I mean, was there for me. But yeah, then when it comes to when this, I got sick, like that's the brotherhood. That that like, was family. Yeah. 100%. We are. But but whose for... side do you pick in this? Because they're both your brothers. I mean, really. Well, that's why you have an outside agency. Right. But... Because uh, who do you pick? And I mean, Scott went as far as... If he... shit is not adding up, and dude, I just... I don't know. Now, so in... <laughs> this, I think, has something to do with it, too. In 2017, Scott O'Connell was actually arrested for beating the fuck out of his girlfriend, who then turned into his wife. So. Well, they got that in common, so. Yeah, but then he was reinstated right afterwards. Dude, you have, I, I mean, I don't even know if you know all the people that I know that have been. Mm-hmm. Well, involved in domestic violence and are still on the job. So the sheriff actually states that um, he says, quote, I have a long history of holding subordinates accountable. Um, according to a review of St. John's County, that is a lie. Huge lie. Um, there are three cases in recent years in which sheriff's officers failed to open immediate investigations of domestic abuse reports involving colleagues. Uh, two years prior, there were reports to supervisors of domestic violence involving one of their colleagues. They didn't follow up on it until the wife fled her home naked, carrying her child running down the street. 
And even then, he he was he was just given a little slap on the wrist. It was recommended that the sheriff terminate him, and he did not. He kept him on the staff. Um, so the New York Times, obviously, and Frontline were investigating it. Shore declined to be interviewed by the New York Times or Frontline, but did write them a letter um, that was actually full of shit, talking about how he, you know, disciplines people. And, um, and you wonder, like, it, it pisses me off because, like, I, I the blue line, like, yeah. Well, so he, fun fact about the sheriff. He was the former co-chairman of the Domestic Violence Task Force. Oh, my God. This guy's a fucking tool. Yeah, he is. He's a tool. There's no way around it. But, that, I mean, most elected officials are. And, unfortunately, most leaders are. Yeah. Wow. People in charge. Like, how they fucking get there Yeah. blows my mind. So, this is the case of Michelle O'Connell. Um, her death certificate still states that it's a suicide. Can I tell you my theory? I would love for you to tell them your theory. Um, I think they got home. There was an argument. She was breaking up with him. I think the gun was already out in the room. Mm -hmm. I think she fucking closed the door, locked it. Because he was probably going nuts. And she was probably scared to death. I think she made the first shot. I think she shot into the ground to scare him. Saying, if you're coming in here, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. He boots in the in the door. Fucking gets the gun from her. And fucking shoves it right in her mouth. And, hey, <clears throat> this is how you fucking do it. So the gun expert speculated that um, the... The light did cause the wound, but like she was beat with it. Yeah. Which would coincide he with. Probably f he shoved he, it he, in her face. Which he probably pistol whipped her too. Because yeah. um, per Dr. Anderson, the Emmy, the independent Emmy, um, bruising isn't going to show up if you like you get the shit kicked out of you and then you die. Yeah, you're, you're going to have lividity. You're not going to have bruising, it, per that's se. That's why, the, the, dude, yeah, the cut over the eye. I mean, I think he, he booted in the door, fucking grabbed the gun from her. I think her, he shoved the gun in her fucking, face. Yeah, shoved mm -hmm. it in her face, fucking mm -hmm. caused that wound, and then open your fucking mouth. Yep. You know, I that's my theory, but who am I? Yeah. I The whole thing is... But... I mean, it was flawed from the beginning. And it was, this was a hard, this was a hard fucking case because, you know, at the beginning when the one guy's like, for everything that bugged me, there was a plausible expl explanation. And I, I mean, you and I talked about it at length. There was a plausible explanation, but almost like a too far-fetched plausible yes. explanation. Yeah. So... And then I, I, and then his comment, I'm, well, then I didn't investigate further. Right. Well, great job. Nobody did. And that's, that's what I'm questioning. Like at one point, who's your brother then? Yeah. You know, do you go by the dude who is in the house with her or her brother? Like, no, it's. Cause you, you basically know, shit on her brother and her family. We, we are a family, but if you're going to do dirt, I, 
I'm not losing my fucking career, my fucking family no. over dumb shit you're going to fucking do. Right. Fuck you. Because you're too little of a man and you have to beat a woman. Uh, yeah. So this one, it was it was hard. I, yeah. I mean, I know that sounds stupid, but it, it was hard. Yeah, it was, um, it was a good one. I, I like that you picked this one. Yeah, I talked to a lot of officers and the, the way some of the conversations went... They took his side right immediately. away. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. I mean, maybe if I was still on the job, I probably would have. But too. here's the thing, too. As as the wife of an officer, I would have taken his side too. Right away. Yeah. You defend your family. Yeah. It, but... You know, before hearing everything in totality, I probably would have done the same thing. But now looking on the outside, you know, and knowing mm-hmm. You know, I I know officers who fucking beat the shit out of their spouse. I would love to see you try. I'm just saying. I'd take you. Oh, okay. I might be in a wheelchair. I was going to say, you're like roll. a fucking one-armed bandit in a goddamn will, wheelchair. What are you going to do? I over you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Watch me strap you to the chair and push you in the pond. Take another puff of your vape. I'm going to. So it's fucking late. Um, I actually, I tried, there's a lot more information to this story, but I tried to cut it so we wouldn't have to do a two-parter. Jackson's trying to have a conversation with Mark right now. So just go ahead and ask out loud. (laughs) Oh, well, go lay down then, dude. No. Um, so the, the business, um, so the next case that we're going to actually do. We're still working on West Memphis 3. Um, God, what a fucking nightmare. Um, the next case we're going to do, I want to do like an older, older case. Yeah, which I'm cool with. We're going to do Superman. Yeah. The original Superman. Because I had no clue what you were talking about, and then I Googled it. I had no idea, and then John at work told me about it, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, we got to do this one. So we're going to do an old-timey one next time. I think it'll be cool. Change it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so with the bidness, you guys can find us on Instagram yeah. at ddup underscore podcast. Yep. You can find me at least on Twitter at ddup podcast. But it's capitalized. It's right? not. I told or you that it doesn't matter. Capital? Okay. No. So. Mark was trying to search it on Facebook and it was coming up as something else, but I'm like, it's a fucking Twitter handle. It's not Facebook. And we actually got into a huge argument about it earlier. Yeah, we did. And he clearly did not listen to a fucking word I told him because I showed him that it didn't matter. It was capitalized. Okay. Anyways, uh, you can shoot us an email at ddupodcast.one at gmail.com. And we actually got an email from Jason. Yes, thank you. Who sent, your... like, did you see it? Yeah. Dude, that's like our list of what we're doing. Yeah, um, it's a good list. So Facebook, it's still Jam Cash with the with the other name. Yeah, Death Do Us part. but I'm pushing out yeah. the Death Do Us part, the yeah. podcast, the business. We are on page. Podbean. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple. We are on a ton of other ones. We also have our Patreon page, too. Yes. So please check um, that out. Mark's been bitching at me to fix the website. So 
I will be updating the website this weekend. Yep. Get everything up there. Get the cases up there. And um, I'm going to try and do the, the Patreon page, too. We appreciate the feedback. It's We've really been getting a lot of good feedback. Yeah. So better I, than I... I got a, a I expected so I got a text thank you from guys. Kelly today basically telling me to get my shit together and put another podcast out because she's going on a road trip on Sunday <laughs> and needs something to listen to. So Yeah, thank you guys for listening and I mean our our Facebook page we're getting a lot of likes. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're new to us, you know, I, I hope you're checking us out and listening and I hope you continue to follow. Come on back. Yeah. And then Check out our Patreon page. Yes. You can you can donate. You can sign up for tiers. We have to name our tiers. We got to come up with some funky names. I will. Name our tiers. I'll come up with that. So. Vape. <laughs> Give me a vape. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put you to bed because you're driving me up a fucking wall right now. <laughs> um, and I'm talking to the big one, by the way, not the little one. So. Roll me to my bed, yeah. please. So thank you guys again for listening. We we did do a lot of chatter in this case. Yeah. So I thought it was great. If you didn't, oh, well, sorry. And we are going to let Jax end the show for you guys. Please do not yell bees nuts. He's, he needs some milk. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Bees no. nuts. <laughs> Parents of the year. At least he didn't. I'm not even going to say it because no. I'll do it. So, all right. We um, hope you guys come back, and we hope you'll be listening again soon. Thank you, guys. See ya. Bye. Oof. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.